To be fair, I'm not going to send this to my call. Or the episode? Yes. Why not? Because I'm, I've been a sane nigga. <laughs> no. I mean, if you want to, I've I don't, been a sane. I'm, I'm going to say nigga. You can share it to whoever you want. Why are you saying nigga? I'm talking about dude. Yeah, nigga. <laughs> yeah, nigga. Yeah. Hello and welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. And welcome to my beautiful planet of Arrakis. That's right, we are finally talking about one of the biggest movies of last year, Denis Villeneuve's Dune. For anyone who's listened to the podcast, I know we said we're going to try to avoid talking about spoilers, but this is going to be a spoiler-heavy conversation. We are talking about Dune spoilers today. Because this is one of the biggest movies of last year, like I said. It deserves a big episode. And in that vein, later I'll be delivering an exit survey on the film with a friend. But first, two friends of the pod are returning to discuss the film with me. And joining me today, it's your favorite Spice Lord. It's Ayo Indem and Victor Dama. How's everyone doing? We're good, we're good. Well, I'm good. Victor, how are you? I'm okay. I'm managing. I just want to correct something real quick. Frankly, we said... Oh my God. Um, one of the biggest movies from last year. I like to correct that. It was hands down the best movie last year. He said biggest. So not I, best. I said biggest, not best. I'm saying it was the best one. Okay. Probably wasn't, but okay. Nobody, nobody. Uh, okay, cool. List another movie better than this that came out last year. Victor, so no. you recorded this podcast four times. <laughs> <laughs> How many have you come on time to re- to record it? Why is out this of, always out of the four when times. Victor is on this show? Oh, like, oh, oh, wow. You, are you, want to, you, want to, you want to divert from, from what I was saying, what, what I said. Yeah. yeah. But before I've we get it. into that, you Banky, to, don't you usually do a thing where you do like housekeeping? Yeah. So do it. But Victor wanted to correct. Thank you. To correct remove, you. remove Victor. Why are you come to a podcast and telling do, me what do to do? Do your housekeeping for your um, podcast. But speaking of podcast, so, Banky. So, you know, the public sentiment towards um misogynistic men that are and are black and I'm, have podcasts. I'm bleeping that, but yes. <laughs> no, no, okay, I'll start again. No, no, I'm bleeping So, you I'm, know, I'm, so the sentiment towards misogynistic <laughs> black men that have podcasts yes. has, has really soured over the past, yeah. past month, I yeah. guess. Yeah. How does it feel to take three of those four boxes? Um, It's painful. I I'm not gonna lie. Takes, t- I think he takes all four. I'm. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure he takes all four. I think he definitely takes. Three. Which one do I, don't, don't I take? That's for the viewers to decide. Well, I'm one of those. He's, he's definitely black. And he's a misogynist. Uh oh. It's been difficult because every time on Twitter it's like podcast men or men with podcasts. Are, yeah, and that's you. We have a we have a group chat, obviously. Like, that, you are oh, podcast that man men. with podcasts? <laughs> no, not, not, the, not the general podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we like Joe Rogan and everything. <laughs> Just like, the fresh and fit guy? What? <laughs> Just the guys that work on, obviously, Popcorn for Dinner. Okay. And we have a, a group chat. And like we just keep on sending the tweets of everyone insulting podcasts, man. It's, I don't know. I just like... I want to believe that they don't mean our kind of podcast. Yeah, I don't think a podcast about TV and movies really... Yeah, I think they, they want one that... Guys just talk, right? Yeah. Yeah. I could never even do that kind of podcast. I would run out of I, I just sit down and talk. It's, it's so long. 
I don't I don't understand it. I could never do a podcast like that. It's, just it's people that think they're interesting. Yeah. And you don't want to hear me talk about just like my opinions on, on the world. And also I can never come myself an alpha male because I do not think I am. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still be so low that I do not believe I'm an alpha male. Like like yeah, and if there's if such a thing as an alpha male. I believe you're an alpha male. Lord, thank that's wrong. I yeah. believe you're alpha. Thank you though. Yeah. That's nice. I like that kind of reassurance. It helps me go on in life. I believe my misogyny as you claim I have, maybe it's it's hidden. It's not like something I put out, out of the public sphere. Fair enough. Probably not when you're talking about movies. Anyways, yeah. so in this podcast, I think I'm going to embody, I'm going to impersonate one of those like oh podcast people. So, okay. as an alpha male, I mean, <laughs> what did you think about Dune? <laughs> I mean, Timothy Chalamet's character is a big beta. He's <laughs> such a cop. He's a beta. He's like, he's not, he's always not an alpha male. Like, oh my God. Um, let me do the, the <laughs> housekeeping, the admin. For anyone who is coming to the podcast for the first time because you like Ayo and Victor and like to listen to their voices, thank you. We're right now going through some of our best movies of last year. We're talking about the movies or the actors or the directors or whatever, just things that we really enjoyed. And you can obviously see it on our feed. Please follow us wherever you listen, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever. You can follow us and rate and review on Spotify and Apple, Apple Podcasts. Now, so please rate and review as well. Yeah, for now, that's just it. We've spoken about Don't Look Up and our favorite lead performances. We've spoken about musicals last week. We did a reaction to the Oscar nominations last week as well. So just, yeah, please follow us, rate and review us. Just give us five stars. We don't really care. Even if it's your first time listening, we don't care about democracy and all that. Just give us five stars so we can get the podcast out there. So now, yeah, about. Alpha Males and Dune. Are you done begging? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very big. I'm yeah, not going to lie. I just beg. I don't, okay, I'm cool. not even... There's no shame. Cool. Let's talk about this movie. Before we go into the movie proper, obviously, ARU, on the episode where we spoke about Denis Villeneuve, including Prisoner, Sicario, Arrival, all that. And then you mentioned that you had some anxiety around this film. Because obviously, uh-huh. before we the movie, uh-huh. and you were afraid of his mental health. Yes. I was afraid for his mental For his mental health, sorry. Yes. In case the movie wasn't good Bombed. enough. What are you... How are you feeling now? What are your thoughts? We haven't spoken about this movie since it came out in October. Intentionally. Yes. yes. Because we don't want... We didn't want to... So everything you're hearing now is like fresh. Fresh reactions. But what are your thoughts? Um, I think he's okay. I think he's going to be fine. I think the reaction to Dune was good. It was incredible. And I think the initial reaction, like when... Before it came out in cinemas, I think that was a bit muted. But once it came out in cinemas, mm-hmm. I think the reaction was like, oh, this is, this, is, like, this is something. So I think he'll be okay. Also, the fact that they got greenlit for Part the sequel yeah. is good. You know, I saw that I went to the like, Denis Q&A mm-hmm. in Leicester Square, and he seemed very happy. Yes. For it. He looked happy on your stories. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you're welcome. Take care. Um, it was very expensive and it was very last minute. Are you so, calling me broke? No, I'm just saying that <laughs> I, I didn't. Sounded like I didn't want to incur that kind of expense on you. It was also very. It was also. It was also not like it was nice to watch movie in IMAX, mm-hmm. but the Q and A wasn't that like nice. She was asking the questions to him. Like I thought we would get to ask questions. Oh, I see. And they were all questions I've I've seen answered on Colbert and Kimmel, and so like you. Better so she's not good me. enough at her job, is what you're saying? No, she's good enough that she's asking because other people would never heard before. But I li- watch all the shows. So I've heard him answer this question before. Anyway, Victor, why is Dune the best movie of last year? Yes. Why I think Dune was the best movie out last year 
is because I think from the beginning, when they started dropping like the little, I, I can't tell I mean, if I can call them trailers, just let me call them picture because it was picture because it gave no information whatsoever. They the did best. drop stills. They did drop yeah, stills. Yeah. <laughs> but they also brought, dropped trailers though, which were very good because yeah. they didn't bring out anything like you said. Anyway, so I continue. Yeah. So I didn't know what to expect. Then the movie came. I, so like, I was like, okay, I definitely want to watch this because mm-hmm. obviously we had Zendaya, her eyes were blue and she had stuff sticking up her nose. And I really wanted to know what this, what this... Can I just say that your barrier for entry for movies is so low? I love it. Just like it has Zendaya with blue eyes and things in her nose. I'm, I'm sold. That's it. And then obviously it was giving me like Star Wars, Star Trek vibes, which I'm very into. So I was like, I obviously wanted to, um, I wanted to know what like this was about. Since when did you become a Trekkie? I just, I, I just let it slide. I I've always been, it. I've always been a Trekkie from okay. jump. Okay. From which jump? Which, so. hey, yo, which jump? <laughs> we went to watch every Star Trek movie together that came out our. How Star many Trek years? Are you a Star Trek person? I'm not. <laughs> Which I, is why I'm confused. I mean, I was just watching the Star Trek films because they were big films. Nah, and, <laughs> and, then, like, and also Sila was in them, so like I yeah, that was and I thoroughly enjoyed them, but I actually went back. Um but let's not get into Star Wars and Star Trek because that's it. Yeah, good. please. We don't we don't we don't want to fight. Um we don't want to fight. What Intel's? Yeah, what was I saying? Okay, you gave me Star Wars vibe, I was very interested. So the day the movie came out was actually a cinema day for me because I pulled up at the cinema at like 10 a.m. And... You're not working. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you pulled up at 10 a.m. <laughs> I hold up because... No, well, I was kind of... I was kind of done. So I pulled up at 10 a.m. And at 10 a.m.? Yeah. You were done at 10 a.m.? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're not shower. And... <laughs> what do you mean you're done Lady of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Gigolo. I pulled up, and the first movie on show was Venom. So, funny enough, another one of my friends had pulled up too, because he was trying to get, he was also trying to get away from his life issues. So he came, we both went in, we saw Venom, which was underwhelming, and quite frankly, ruined my day. Um... (laughs) And Do you want to send a letter to them? That sounds very like you have emotions. Yeah, quite frankly, at twelve at noon. It's even a nineteen before before noon because the nineteen year old is not to us. Please continue. Can we get to do it, please? And yeah, so right after Venom finished, I June June was starting, so I went changed cinema halls, um, starting for Dune, and then like. A couple more of my friends showed up and we started this movie. The one thing I'm upset about is that I didn't get to see Dune in IMAX. IMAX. Hmm. But in IMAX, but nevertheless, the movie started and they're talking about spice and I'm like, it's the, and then I'm hearing Zendaya, you know, talking, giving the introduction as to um what's going what on happens in Arrakis, yeah. what's happening yeah and then um i see timothy timmy team leo timmy team leo timmy team man <laughs> that's my boy and then um 
Um, Victor, get to your point, man. Because like, like you've been you've been <laughs> waffling, you've been waffling. It's five minutes. Okay, Victor, why was it the best? I feel film? like I'm about to hear the plot of Venom. Like he's like, about to tell us like... everything that's happening in the film. Why was it the best? Like two okay, sentences. It was the best because from beginning to end, it held me. I was like, what's going to happen next? Like from the scenery, the storyline, the plot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. action scenes, everything was just mind blowing. Like I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. After the movie was done, I was like, I want to go back and see this again. Mm-hmm. When is when is the next show? Basically, plus you had no expectations going in, so I, I think that was that, that was also a very yeah. Good thing. People who listen to the podcast know that I've been doing this, where I was getting down notes, like immediately I watch it, I always mm-hmm. get like my immediate thoughts before I, I listen to reviews or whatever. So. If you guys would bear with me, I'm just going to say my initial reactions to when I first watched Dune. Good. So the first time I watched Dune, I watched it in 4DX. Okay. That was my first, that was my first 4DX experience. Second time I watched it was IMAX. The first time I watched it was 4DX. And my first note is literally, whoa. <laughs> I, everyone has to watch, like, I feel like you have to watch a movie in 4DX at least once. Mm-hmm. So like I said, this episode is a spoiler episode. So you know when they send the, the darts to Oscar Isaac yeah. and he's at his back? Something took me in my back as well. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what is that? There were points when the, they are copter, whatever they call the topter, whatever Fucked is going down. Like you feel like you're like, have you done 4DX? No, I haven't. You should do 4DX at least, but pick the right movie. Anyway, so I was like, again, nothing beats in movie stars, great actors just doing their stuff in a scene together. And that was about when Stilgar comes into that council room. Mm. I was like, this scene has Javier Bardem, Oscar Isaac, Timothy Chalamet, Jesse Momoa, just brilliant. Stephen McKinley Henderson in the same scene, just acting. I was like, what is going I was in love. I was like, what is going on here? Um, this first Sand Snake sequence. Sandworm. Sandworm. Sand Snake. Sand, Sandworm. Sorry, Sandworm sequence. Yes. Wow, I'm confused. Incredible. Dini. I was watching that and I was like, I could not stop thinking about the um, border sequence mm. in Sicari. From the moment they entered the top, I was like, something bad is about to it's happen. It's going to happen. Like, is that what you ever said about Dini and Mood? Mood. Right? Like, it's like, you, you dread something's going to happen. Then what else? I was like, 4GX was amazing. Zendaya stands might be disappointed. Great yes. or terrible marketing. It's Question great marketing. Yeah. It's great marketing. Then when I watched the second time in IMAX, I just had a couple more notes. This one was like, kind of plot-wise. But it was like, Paul, obviously, mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet's character, often runs to his mentors. He runs twice to Duncan Idaho mm-hmm. and once to Stephen McLean Henderson's character. But the only time he doesn't run is when Duncan runs to him. After like, and I thought that movie like presents like he's now no longer a boy. He's now a man. Yeah. He's kind of grown up. And then like just Denise's sense of skill. Like, that was after, his oh sense of skill in God. this movie. So that was, that was, I think that was ridiculous. the first thing I was going to talk about. Yeah, let's, I know that's that the first thing I was going to talk about. Let's go into that. Yeah. Because like when we did the Denis episode, I was talking about mood. Mm-hmm. But I think starting in Arrival, Arrival. he progressed it in Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. But now I think he might be a master of scale. Because I watch, I've watched this movie three times now. Same. Yeah. Twice in cinema, once at home. On HBO Max. Yes, on HBO Max. Yeah. But on a 55-inch screen. Yeah. And, guy, there's nothing like, there's nothing like watching this film in the cinema because mm-hmm. the scale of this movie is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember when the, the Emperor Soldiers, I've forgotten their name, the Sarkadunas or whatever they call them. Sadaka, something like that, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. When they were dropping in the cinema, like you literally, your head is up and you're watching them fall. Yeah. It is ridiculous. And I think that, le- that actually, that's the reason, get. that's how he does it. Because obviously I said I watched it 4DX. You don't really get the scale in 4DX by watching IMAX again. Mm-hmm. It's because he takes time 
to show the, show those things. Like he shows them coming down. He shows a ship landing or a ship taking off. So like it's like things that normally just a ship in the air. Exactly. When the ships were coming up from the water, so when they were departing. Mm-hmm. That was, that was beautiful also. It was what? Also, he was they... flexing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> he was just flexing because... <laughs> there's, there's, there's no need for this. There's no need for that scene. <laughs> but it was. But he like, was, was like, Even when, like, when the ships first land on, um, I can't remember, the Atreides planet, but when Paul down, looks up like and then that. sees them coming down, like, yeah. it's like, that's the scale because he showed these ships in terms of, like, in contrast to the entire... And it's just like, you get it. Like, when the, the fight happens, when they ambush mm-hmm. the palace or whatever it is, like, you, you get that sense of skill, like, but obviously the biggest point was when the sandworm, when they're leaving. Yeah. And then you see the sandworm eating the, whatever, the spi- whatever it's deduced to, yeah, spice to the spice. Yeah, spice, yeah. And then you see Paul and um, Josh Brolin's character just on the, on the on door. Him. And yeah. I was like, this is ridiculous. He's, he's a ridiculous, this is ridiculous man. Because there's no need for you to be that good at, at, mm-hmm. at setting scale. I think that's another like, weapon he's added to his arsenal now. Mood and scale. Which bigger than, is it better than Nolan in terms of certain scale? <sighs> Nolan does a lot of things, but I don't think he's done. I don't think he's done scale. Maybe like only, only only Dunkirk. It's I think just though. it's only Dunkirk. I was even thinking battle. of Interstellar. Even Interstellar is the space. It's not when it comes to scale. It like, seems I, a bit because space is so vast and empty. It seems a bit. Not, I don't know if it's easier but less impactful than showing scale on ground. They went to the ground. <laughs> Oh yeah, I went to ground a few times. Like when the in Interstellar, when the wave is coming and they're oh, like, oh, yeah, it's yeah, a mountain, yeah, yeah. and it's like, oh no, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. water. That's water. <laughs> um, but Nolan, just speaking of Nolan, is very, very like effusive in his praise for this film. I think um, he did an interview with Denis about this film. You know, like Nolan now, it's like when he called HBO Max the worst streaming platform. It was, like, <laughs> <laughs> was like, why do you want to put why do you want to put um, Dune on, on HBO Max? I really do feel like. This might be a bit of a segue, but I feel like putting it on HBO Max was a bit of a disservice to this film. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't think you get you get the sense, because now when I watched it on HBO Max the few day, a few days ago, yeah. again, I was like, okay, I can understand why people go into this film and not be overwhelmed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it looks it looks almost ordinary on even, the screen. Even the sound. Oh, that's, that's, that's going to be my second point. Even the sound. Because those are the two things that make this film, I think, different from every other thing that came out last year. Yeah. The scale mm-hmm. that he's able to capture and the sound. I said this to Chinaza when I was watching when I was watching it a few days ago on HBO Max. Um, Chinaza obviously your girlfriend and a special guest on, on an earlier episode of this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, that person. Yeah. Um, so when when I was watching it, I, I was texting it. I was like, man, the sound is not hitting the same. Yeah. Because even from that first... <laughs> you know, explosion of sound. Because that's the yeah. first thing that happens when you when this movie starts. Yeah. It's a blank screen with um subtitles. Yeah. And then just the deepest, most massive rolling sound. Mm. And um, the whole film it was is spe- just speaking of sound, I think I mentioned this on an episode of the podcast. So one of the things that Denis mentioned in that QA, which I didn't know about before, was that so like Hans Zimmer has been in love with Dune mm. forever. He never watched any of the earlier Dune inter- adaptations. Because he wanted, he didn't want to be polluted with what he wanted to do. Like, he knew what he wanted to do in terms of sound. Fair. So he never watched any of the TV shows or the movies or whatever because he just wanted to come in kind of blank. And I think Denis would, like, he would just go in and just see hands, like, creating new instruments by attaching things to things and, and whatever. And Yeah. Um, this is yeah. the first film Skill I've seen on, on Wikipedia that has its own section for the sound <laughs> stroke music of the film. 
It's ridiculous. Yeah, the yeah. things that Hans Zimmer was doing, like for the best film of the movie, the best scene of the movie, the Gumjaba scene. Mm-hmm. That's, he, your, that's your best scene of the movie. I think it is like, it might be the best film. I, th- I think it's by the best scene of the film. Yeah. I think it might be. Um, but apparently, for the sound of that film, he like got a bunch of people screaming and like just like chopped it up and compressed it and like I'm like why are you doing that? But then it makes sense. Oh, so like, is it the guys that we hear screaming? The women that we hear screaming? You don't actually hear screaming. It sounds like just like really high pitched. Like it sounds like a high pitched drone, like just going on. But that is essentially a bunch of people screaming, and then he's like stretched it out to make it sound like something else. And that just forms like the background. And like, isn't it going to us soon? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not talking about the actual soundtrack, the, the woman's voice that goes. Yeah, that's what I was going to remember. Not okay, that. okay. It's just, it sounds like just high pitched, like scratching stroke, like it's a droning sound yeah. going on. But because it's just I'm, a bunch of people screaming. And yeah. It's like, oh, he's in pain. <laughs> so, okay. So this question is to both of you. I'll start with you, Victor. Okay, let me start with the lower stakes question. Whose stock rose the most for you in, after this movie? Chalamet, easy. Oscar Isaac. Easy. Shh, come on. Oscar Isaac's stock rose that's for a you? Bad, that's a bad answer, Victor. Why did it rise for you? I didn't read him before. You didn't read Oscar Isaac? Victor wants to fuck him now. That's, that's <laughs> what he means. That's I mean, means. This, this came out the same time I've seen now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that was a, that was a, that was a strong that was a really time for, like, one. Oscar Isaac and his beard. Yeah. And I, like, my biggest problem with Moon Knight is that he doesn't have a beard in Moon Knight. Well, we'll talk about that. Like, I've only watched the trailer, but he should have, have his beard in, in Moon Knight. <laughs> he should have um, For me, it's, it's Chalamet as well. Because he doesn't even do like... He doesn't do much. He doesn't do much, but it's so easy for me to be... To hate to that hate, character. Yes, exactly. That character can come out of night, whiny or whatever, but like, I think he, I think he does it well. So for me, it's, it's Chalamet. But I think this is just Momoa's best performance. Interesting. That I think that's true. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with it. But I thought the person you're going to say, like I thought the next person you're going to bring up was Rebecca Ferguson. No, but like we've seen that. Like she's she's mission. She's like the only person Mission Impossible. Like only female character that has crossed over movies. Like we've seen that in the last few Mission Impossible movies, fair, fair. right? And people have seen that in other things that put her sleep. I don't think. Oh, did you watch that? I, I didn't watch it, no. She's good in that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I don't think she did anything here that people like. Oh, that's surprising that you've done that. I was surprised by. The the size of her role. Me too. I did not think Me Lady too. Jessica was going to be. Yeah, and apparently it only gets bigger. That big. Yeah, yeah. like apparently in future movies, like her role only gets bigger. I did. I yeah, because I was watching the movie. I was like, wait. Is she was, the was, emotional was, core of this film? Isaac died. I was, Isaac, I was like, wait, just this guy's. She's second billion in this movie. That, Is Charlemagne there, Rebecca? Because like I was like, she's in every scene in this movie. Legit. And she's actually fighting as well, and also speaking in tongues. And also, like, doing all this, like, she's oh. doing a lot. Oh. And she might have an incestuous relationship with her son. Should we talk about that? Let's, 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 let's not. Let's talk about it because I did not read that. <laughs> because I haven't, I re- obviously I haven't read that. the books, so I don't want to be spoiled or anything. Don't so spoil it. Anyone that has, I haven't, anyone that has read the books, don't spoil us. But, like, that glance, I mean, Which I was uncomfortable. When they're changing. Oh, when she turns around. Yes. There is maybe def- she was just a bit nah, embarrassed. There is something, there's definitely something. Nah, there. Oh, okay, no. I think you're, I think, I think you're saying things because. My boy is hooked on Zendaya. You guys are gonna make it, me go and research the book now and let you guys know. There has to be something. like that. That there's, that shot does not need to be there. That's fair if enough. Because not, when I was watching it again, I was like, "Why?" Yes, yeah. so weird. But like, okay, because because she looks at him when he moves, and then he looks back. I think then he looks back and then takes down his trousers. Like there is definitely something there. I'm not saying they'll have a relationship. I'm just saying like there's definitely. Also, she's like because he's meant to be 14, 15, 15, and I think she's meant to be like what. 
very early 30s. Because mm. she's, she, she's not married to Oscar Isaac. No. Concubine. So, like, anyway. Um, I think the Bene Gesserit are my favorite part of the Dune universe. I've heard that, and I it's, didn't get it. It's a, it's a ridiculous, like... Like, it's, it's the kind of stuff that speaks to me. But we don't see anything from them in this movie. It's like, just, what? like, mythology. They're there. They're doing political scheming. Yeah. They'll be doing magic. They'll be doing, like... um Like, when she when she explains, oh, for hundreds of years, we have been carefully crossbreed. Like, what? What are you doing? And it's when Charlotte Rampling's character is like, you were totally bad daughters, but you thought you were special. Uh, oh, you were I was alone. like, oh, okay, well, what's going on Guy. here? <laughs> I really I like, you can, there's gonna be a TV show about I knew, that's what I was gonna say. I, yeah. I really want to watch it because and that brings me on to I guess one of my feelings. Okay, let me just talk about my feelings on this film. Love this yeah. film. Okay. I think it's my favorite film of last year. Am I gonna finally hear your hot takes about this film? Yeah, I'm about to, I'm okay. about to get well, it. I'm October. I think it's my favorite film of last year. Okay. Mostly because of the originality, which I know is a weird thing to say because it's based on a book mm. from 1960, whatever, and it's a movie, it's story. TV shows. It's, story it's a been, story that has been retold as by as Star Game Wars and yeah, yeah, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So fair. But I was struck by the originality of how it looks and, you know, the world. Mm-hmm. It felt original to me. So this is why I think it's my favorite film from last year. When I finished, like when the movie finished, the first like premature thought that fell, that fell into my head was like, oh, this is the best pilot of this, of this year. It's, it's an excellent pilot episode. So... I mm. is that your, have you finished? Is that your hot take? I mean, I have some other hot takes. Okay, let's let's go with that. I had this feeling twice in the cinema last year, and I didn't get it. For me, it wasn't pilot, but I was like, this would have been an incredible TV show. Exactly. For for like for, so example, for Eternals, I was like, should this have been a TV show? That was, that was my thing for Eternals. Mm. So like, that was when, so I don't know if it's a pilot because it was more like for me, it was like more like a very good first season. No, I don't think I don't think there's enough story in there for a full first season. But it felt like first a season of like six episodes. It felt like a good pilot, man. It felt <laughs> like oh, and that's especially compresses to especially an hour. yeah, yeah. No, I know that's why I didn't say it. I guess yeah, it's yeah, yeah. premature. Especially because like something else that they do, which pilots do, mm-hmm. or you know, first episodes of seasons do, is like show you what's going to happen next. They don't do that at the end, but during the film, they're peppering it with like mm-hmm. his visions. Mm-hmm of things that are going to happen. And it's like, it's getting you hyped yeah, to yeah. come and watch watch again next week. So that was my first hot take. I think I understand that being a criticism of this movie that, you know, it just ends. Mm-hmm. And... People have said that it's not a movie. Yeah, it's, it's like a... a which is like a trailer. It's a, or it's a first part of a movie. Yeah. Which I disagree. Because I think, yeah, obviously it's part one. But I also think like, I was satisfied... Same. <laughs> like, I, I did not come out thinking I was shortchanged. I enjoyed this movie as a movie. So, everybody's like, oh, we, are, we can only judge it when... Not everybody. Most lots of people are like, we can't judge when, when part two comes. I was like, no. I have a thing about that. I think we can only judge it to be, like, as one of Denny's works when the second one comes out. Because hot take number two. Hmm. I think this... If if part two is good, I think this might be Denny's best. Yeah, but you cannot judge them as... T- if you're judging a two-hour movie in Arrival, or Sicario versus a four five yes. hour movie mm. in Doom yes, Part One and Part yes, Two. Yes, yes, yes. But what I'm judging are complete stories. Sicario is a complete story. Arrival is a complete story based on a complete short story. Dune is part one of a book, so I'm going to judge it as as what it is. So what did we never? How do you afford to never got to Part Two? I don't think that was even an option. <laughs> ah, if this movie did terribly, 
they'll not make it. I think that's an option. I think they're gonna make both parts of this. Movie. So if this movie made like hundred million, maybe not hundred million, but it's always going to make more than hundred million. Always. What if it was bad? Not bad. No. What if it was bad? It can't be bad. What can't it be bad? Because it's Denis. <laughs> yes, but it can still be bad. <laughs> You're not gonna make a bad film. Like, come on. Yeah, we said that as Denis fans, but like the fair. If there was only the one, then we Warner judged Brothers. it as one. But I think because it's part one of two that we know two is coming now. I think I'm going to judge. That just seems like a ridiculous benefit to me. Dune as seems like a parts. cheat code for Denis, but fair. That's fair enough. That's yeah. Um, okay, I have another question. Okay, no. So Mamo, I think every scene he was, I like this guy's a movie star. Yes. He was excellent. None of us has read the book. So no, how but soon... I bought the book. Which is another yeah, thing about, about watching this film. As soon as I finished it, I was like, I need to spend time in this world. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to read it so until much. the second one comes out there. So, you, okay. Then would you read like the third book? So the second book? No. Doom is I think I'm only going to... Because I felt that one is not very good. Okay. So how soon do we see Paul write a sandworm? Next movie? Definitely the next movie. End of the next movie. Oh. And <sighs> that would be very bad though. They only do that if he's definitely making a third movie. Yeah. He's definitely making a third movie. I, yeah, I, 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 I didn't see this ending at just two. He needs to write a sandworm. Like, no, it will end at just two. But whether whether Danny Villeneuve will make the third one. No, I was gonna say because they only got to like well for me, I guess it was also the cliffhanger factor. Because honest to God, I kept while watching the movie, I kept wondering, uh uh-uh, where is Zendaya and her crew? Where's Zendaya mm-hmm. and her crew? Where's Zendaya and her crew? Then they showed us Zendaya and her crew. Then the movie ended and I was like, what? Oh, nah, I thought man. the movie was going to end maybe with Zendaya. No, no. Like, during the movie, I was like, this movie's going to, once Zendaya, this movie's going to end. Nah, I didn't think that at all. I Because it was part one. I, I knew. I thought like, they'd make it into the siege at the very least. Uh, but then, also, yeah. what upset me was the, that black guy having to die for nothing. Not, not for nothing. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that that death because that's the other, that's like the second biggest critique I've seen of this film. That what? That anticlimactic. Yeah. Yes. It really was because it's like he's having his visions, and that guy's like he's coming off as like he's going to be his mentor, his mentor. and mm-hmm. teacher, and then the guy just dies. Yeah, but I mean, like, and like they didn't even fight fights. Why didn't? How did they not fight fight? That fight scene was like what Ayo just said was. Anticlimactic, like anticlimactic. There should have been more. There was that. There was at no point we saw, um, what's his name, um, Timothy, losing or going to lose, because he's a very good fighter. Yeah, and, and, and he had seen the, the future. He had already seen the fight in his vision, so he knew what my guy was doing next. And so, okay, you see, now I just now I just got what his his premonition. The reason is not a big deal is because this is not a celebration. Yeah. This is a depressing moment. It's sad. So, like, it's not something that's going to be, like, quite big and, like, the score. Like, for example, I really love well. that yeah. the first part was there was no score. It was just, like, a fight. Because I, I personally love fights without scores. You actually just... And when you can see the actual actors doing the, doing the thing, what? I was thinking, boy, boy, <laughs> crazy <laughs> boy. <laughs> be cool, uh, but, boy. Um, shout out to our musicals episode. Um, no, so, like, it wasn't, like... It, the music was swirl. It was, like... Mm-hmm. It was Captain America. Triumphant. Def- yeah, it was yeah. like defeating this big... But like, this is not... A, he doesn't want to do... He doesn't kill this person. This is, maybe the problem for people is because it's at the end of the movie. Mm. If this fight happened halfway through the movie, maybe they were like, okay, well, it won't be something that... But people were, people were expecting this big fight at the end, which I don't necessarily think it was meant to be. So I, that's I, I had no problems with that. That's it. fair. But I don't, I don't think that's all. I think 
what gives this whole thing weight is the fact that he's killing someone for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what makes it sad. That's what I mean. That's what makes exactly. it sad. Yeah, yeah. But I don't feel like they do enough to set that up in the film. Ah, okay. I don't feel like they do enough because like if they have explained or if they've shown us his aversion to killing or that kind of thing mm-hmm. to make it like, oh, this is a step you yeah. are taking and like this is this is a significant thing that's yeah. happening for yeah. you, then I feel like that gives him more weight. Even if it's not like yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 I feel like yeah. that gives him more I mean weight. They, they only say it, right? They, like, like and like Jessica just said just during the fight. Like, oh, you have never killed anybody. Yeah. Like, okay. And then the whatever voice is in his head or whatever was like, yeah, you yeah. have to kill so do you know funny? something I want to get into. Okay, because, let's, get, let's get to it now. Yeah. But funny is that what you just said is my main criticism of Man of Steel. <laughs> what is Because that? when he kills Zod, he's like, ah, I've killed Zod. So I'm like, okay, you never you never made us feel like killing was a bad thing for you. Mm-hmm. No, but he always had... No. Yeah, but that's if you know Superman. Yeah, in, 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 in the movie, yeah, they never movie, said it. They never do anything about like, oh, but what, you need to protect what life. Do you to, yeah, what do you want to say about So the another thing about the whole voice inside. So that's coming on to the third biggest critique that I've seen about this film is that, oh, it's, you know, it's playing on white savior tropes and... Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's him, Shalami, is going to go and save all these sand people. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I was watching... Is there any... Have we seen any white Freeman? Freeman, no. Because Javier Bardem is what? Mexican? Spanish? I can't... I don't want to show I just watched me the Ricardo, so in my head he's Cuban. Oh, yeah, but he's not, yeah, but that's, uh, <laughs> but he's not Cuban. He's not, I, think he's, he's, I think he's Mexican. He's Mexican or Spanish or whatever. Everyone else is black. We've not seen a white yeah, no, Freeman. No, I haven't ah, seen. Okay, continue, sorry. So that was that was like their big that was another thing. It was like, oh, white save yourself. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know, because I saw it in an interview where Denny was like, yes, that this movie or his interpretation of Dean is going to be a criticism of it. Mm-hmm. So when I was watching it again this third time after seeing like after seeing that interview. Yeah, I'll examine that interview when you can. But continue. Uh, if I don't, you find it. I don't remember where it was. I started maybe interpreting Paul's journey, that's Timothy Chalamet's character, yeah. a bit differently. Okay. So, you know, at first he's like, oh, all this, um, you know, the Bene Gesserit stuff, like, oh, use the voice. And he's like a bit defiant. He's like, ugh, like, just pass me the water. I don't want to. And his mom was like, use the voice. And he's like, okay. And then um, the gum jabar happens. Yeah. And he's still, at that point, he's reluctant. And yeah. then he sees um, his mom interacting with... Uh, the queen Bene Gesserit lady. Yeah. And he's like, oh, so you guys have been scheming. Like, what are you like? And it just feels like a lot of things are being put on him. Yeah. 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 And then towards the end of the movie, I feel like he begins to believe that in himself. Yeah. yeah. Which I think might be where the critique is. Like, you are still just a guy. Like, why do you yeah. now think because people are putting all these things on you that you are now a savior? Well, it's not going to be a fall for him. Yeah, I think, I hope so. I mean, we have, please, if you read the books, please do not spoil it for us because... We don't know what happens in the books, but yeah, maybe not like a like a because I think I it, think in the it end, fall due to hubris. Yes, I mean he was saying that he wants to maybe an wants, emotional one. He said he wants to go and marry the, and marry the daughters daughter and daughter. become like, like yeah. yeah. And then like, the, the 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 what what do they call her? The witness of the change. Yeah. Like what what are you talking about? <laughs> His mother was like, child. calm down. Like yeah, no, I know <laughs> what you're child. saying. Yeah. So so I think that that might be, and I don't think he will fall and fail in you know in the way that like in an Icarus way. I think yeah. it will be more an emotional. Ah, okay. So form. it might not be. So it won't be something I've come back from. Yeah, I think it will be something he will be yeah. able to come back from, and then become. You know, he will earn. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It's the thing now, isn't it? It's the hesitant chosen one mm. who then gets the power and gets crushed by the power. It's as if Jon Snow 
was Jon Snow for seven seasons and then had Daenerys' arc in the eighth season. Exactly. Right. So it's, yeah, I got with me. I'm interested to see where, where, where that goes. Yeah. So yeah, I I was, like, when I was watching this time, I was like, okay, I can see, because, like, you start hearing all these things, like, oh, you have to, you like, kill and then become... Yeah, you have, the, you have to kill, you have to kill Paul Atreides to become yeah, to the... become the... Whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. The Madi, mm-hmm. the Lizana Gaib. That's it, actually. Yeah, that's, that's actually, that's actually it. <laughs> <laughs> to become Lisan Al-Gaib. And I'm like, I, I can see it. And I don't know if it's like a thing that I'm putting on him or is in his performance. Yeah. But you can see him believing it more. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, wait, I am the Lisan Al-Gaib. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, ah. so, yeah, I think with those criticisms in mind, I'm very interested to see what happens yeah. in the next. And it's interesting because you always, there's always a cut a reaction shot every time someone says something about Lisa Agaib. Mm-hmm. Like when Stilgar was like, I recognize you. Mm. Or when the, the um, what's her name? I can't remember her name now. It's not annoying. Don't remember her name. Yeah, but when she's like... The witness of the change. Yeah, when she's like, he will come to your things as if he knew them. Yes. You can see that he knows what she's saying. And like, so I think he's just slowly becoming to believe all that. So, huh. Yeah, that could be, that could be interesting. We'll see what happens then. Yeah, um, Denise said they're shooting this year, so to come out, I think it's meant to come out next, next year. Next year, end of next year, I think. Yeah. Should we talk about Zendaya? We can. Just quickly. Okay. She's a movie star. She is. She's I like, love that in no way home. Uh, oh, let me, yeah. Denise was very, very, like, effusive in his praise for, for Zendaya. For Zendaya, really? Yeah, he was like, he said that, in this Q&A, he was like, yeah, that's, there were points when he just, like, I think after shooting, he just took a small crew, just took Zendaya to do this and started taking more shots. Oh, like, really? like, like, all this, like, a lot of shots in, of Zendaya in the film were just, like, after, after, after the film arrived. It's just, like, and I, I think a lot of these guys just, like, she has it. Like, whatever it is, like, Zendaya is just, like, I don't know, the present. She's just a movie star. I think it was, like, halfway through, I was like, oh, yeah, we're not going to see Zendaya in this movie. Yeah, same, <laughs> like, same. It was about halfway through. I was like, oh, Zendaya is not in this movie. That, that was interesting. <laughs> Victor, when did you realize Zendaya was not going to be in this film? Man, I, honestly, <laughs> it was at the end. Because <laughs> every, every, every time the scene changed, I was like, okay, we're going to see Zendaya now. Okay, now. Okay, now. But then she never showed up. The fact she was at the beginning and at the end, I just like no, just 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 shut up. So funny. <laughs> no, at a point in time, at the point in time, I thought we were only going to see her in in visions. Mm. Yeah, actually, and then just hear her voiceover because I was like, is she not in this in this movie? It was weird because she was doing all the press. She did all the heavy like lifting. she. It was her and, Tom, and Timothy doing all the press. That was so funny. And then like when she when she did finally now show up and. I just wanted my boy to say I seen you in my dreams, but he didn't say anything. He just came, I was like, I was like, can you speak up? But somehow now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In all the visions, she's so warm to Paul. Yeah, and then and he then when he said it, she's like, like who the fuck are you? Like she's, she's like, so he said, you say you're the mad. <laughs> I don't not. believe it. You're just a kid. <laughs> you're, not, you're gonna die. Take this stuff. Like, like die with honor. Take this knife. <laughs> Take this knife. Um, so that when Jamie stabs you, you'll be, you'll, you'll be happy. <laughs> Yeah, that was like so. So basically, what we're saying is that just so we can put this in context, uh-huh. which I, I think would be a segue to your point about visions if you want to make. You don't know the point yeah, about visions I'm about to make. It's a, it's a podcast. We just try and make it with. Um, so we're saying that Paul basically sees different, like it's like different dimensions and different like possible possible futures. futures. I think so because that's the only way that black guy is alive. Yeah? Yes, because I'm using that black guy teaches him how to write it. It's a sandworm. So, um, there is that. Another thing I was thinking of was, 
um, when at the end when they were walking back to their when they were walking back to their their place, yeah, yeah, their place, what, what they call the siege, siege, yeah, siege. And they were carrying his body. In my mind, I'm thinking, why we stole this extra? Bring back to life. Why, yeah, why we stole this extra energy to carry him? Just like leave him for dead, harvest his water, and be gone. But like, yeah, they need the moisture in his flesh. Is that, you you just... is that how you treat your family? You just leave your family. Like, you take your. You... It's different because you want to give them a good burial, no? No, not when you. Not when you come out and say I want to kill myself. I think he committed suicide. No, he just. No, he thought he could become their leader. See, that's what happens when you be thinking too much. He thought he could become their leader. I mean, he was fighting a fifteen-year-old boy. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason <laughs> for him to not think he's going to win that fight. If Paul could not see the future. It's actually a layup and when you think about he it. Was, he didn't know that Paul was being trained by Duncan Idaho and such brilliant character. Two of the best fighters <laughs> actually, in the universe. It's actually such a layup because like for Jamis, he's like, oh, like this guy, as per Stilgar, is like he's been a bit too superstitious yeah. now. So like, I can fight this woman. Let me beat this woman up. Oh no, I can't, I can't, I can't fight the okay, sword. I'll beat the sword up. <laughs> yes. I'll become, and then we can get back to what we're doing. <laughs> Like, it's, it's actually a layoff yeah, for him. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it, it makes no sense that he should lose that fight. <laughs> he should not be losing it. Yeah. Anyway, but no, I don't... Uh, I don't This movie doesn't seem like a bring-back-to-life kind of situation. I hope not. Because Charlotte Ramprin is like, do you always see things the way they happen? And he's like, no. Exactly. Not exactly. Yeah. So, like, I think it's like he sees possible futures. Either that or he sees the future, but, like, it's obscured. Like, it's... So, instead of um, Jamis being the person that's so somebody trains, else with, somebody else yeah but like he's just well, maybe, maybe, a person yeah, you get yeah, yeah, that yeah. is going to be significant but then he had never life. met Jamis before yeah that's what I'm saying Jamis was significant in his life because he's the first person he ends up ah, killing that's what I mean. that would be very difficult to explain to movie audiences I mean I mean that's fair don't, yeah. you don't need to understand everything mm, true um quantum entanglement who Devs. um <laughs> fucking stupid who are you most excited to see return there's a, I think there's a big list of people. Zendaya. Could have guessed that. Yeah, as like... Um, aside Zendaya, I I really wish Jason... Momoa. Um, Momoa didn't die. Because I was really excited for his character. Yeah. Well, he's dead. For sure. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's dead. He's dead. gone. He's dead, dead. That was unfortunate. My guy is Gurney Halleck. Just fair, fair. He's a really, he's a, he's a lot of back. fun. Um, so my answer, I but I have I have a longer list of people. But I'm not really looking forward to anybody coming back. I don't care. I'm just I'm very excited to see all of them. Yeah. What I want is Andrew Garfield to be cast in Dune Two. What is wrong with you? This is my campaign. I want Andrew Garfield in Dune Two. Oh my god! I don't know how. I don't know where, but you fit him in somewhere. And he will make the movie better. You just like... Yeah, because it's Andrew Garfield. Second like, thing that's going to make the movie better. Hans uh, Zimmer soundtrack. But collaborating with Baby Kim. He makes this movie better. Okay. I could, I could sign that. I could sign that. Yeah, it's great. It's a great idea. You know that scene, that vision that he has where he's like fighting... Like he's fighting a bunch of like guys and then he like comes out of the ground and he's like... Chur, 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 chur. Yeah, in the vision. Yeah, 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 yeah in the yeah. vision, right? Uh-huh. So imagine hearing... Mm-hmm. You know the beat that Baby Kim does for Range Brothers, the second part of Range Brothers. So it's like, okay, okay, let's get it. Incredible. Yeah. That would be incredible. So those are my two things. They need when when they're coming out from the sand, and then you see like the worms in the back. Yeah, it's to to kill it. Or or it's like it's or it's like lost souls. I see the vision. 
Or oh, they start playing, start playing Lost Souls when him and Zendaya start getting frisky, which they will. It's like a movie. Very handsy. Uh, incredible. <laughs> Trying to find me a bitch that no one knows. He did. Um, he found him a bitch that no one knew. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> thoughts on Baron Hakkinen. I love him. He's... I love him so much. Sam Thanos is incredible. <laughs> Sam Thanos. <laughs> I was watching him in this movie. I was like, this guy is, this guy is ridiculous. He's a ridiculous villain. Oh, I, love, I love him so I love much, him. man. I love Santana. I want to know his story. Why does he fly? Why, Why is he, he that big? Why like, so... I just have so oh, many questions. He's like, he has his his rival on a chair in front of him. His cousin. He called him his cousin. cousin. He did call him cousin. I don't know yeah. what, what story there. I want to know what happened. Maybe the there. houses are like all related. Yeah. The Were they on different houses. planets? Yeah, they went to like, mm. what's it called? Um, colonize different planets. Yeah. That's white men do. Um, True. True. Yeah, that scene where he's talking to him, it's like, you have a great kitchen. kitchen. I was yeah. like, this guy, you just rained down hell. How is the kitchen still functioning, first of all? He's like, for me, it's like, <laughs> how is the kitchen still functioning, first of all? Because you killed everybody. So, what? He came with the chef. <laughs> he came with the chef. I was like, oh, I they have all the equipment. It's funny because Thanos Sous-vide. is incredible. Why didn't we think about Thanos? I was thinking of Kingpin. <laughs> like, do not first campaign when I, when, when I was watching. Uh, it's just, oh, I need to know. Bro, the guy was high, hiding in the raptors when, 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 when he smoked. I want so to, I love Baron Hackney so he's much. So good. I love Stanley Scars and the way he's. Oh, I love it. I love it. I it was so good. Him. I really enjoyed him in that film. He was, I when I was watching it the second time, I was like, okay, this this is Santanos. Because he had an Ebony Moore kind of guy who he was did, like his main advisor guy. Yeah, and then he had. Him. Then he had Bautista, who was like the big, yeah, the big guy. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. Why was why was Bautista always angry? Ah, because they took of his their planet. money now. Didn't you hear they were taking how oh, many? These are ten billion solaris every yeah. year. Guy, Tinubu is not it's making good. that kind of money. He's trying to kill people for on two gates. Keep that in. Why would you bring that now? I'm gonna keep it in. We political now. No 2023 for him. Asking, asking me why he's angry. Uh, <laughs> that money's on the line. Yeah, I, yeah. I think uh, what was I going to ask? Campbell was going to ask. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just love, I love Baron. Hacken. I really, I really enjoyed I him. I think he's such a good villain. I, I really want them to expand, like, into the Harkonnens and the yeah. Fremen. I just straightforward. He wants money. Like he just told Batista, like just go sell this thing. Like it's stuff to give me a lot of money. Like, I, just, I want. I'm actually going to who who they will cast as the emperor. Because that's Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> no. That's one role he will not do well. Oh man! Because that's actually that's actually that's a good chance to cast someone like who, like not this person, but that's that's the type of thing where you cast like Anthony Hopkins in Westworld season one. Oh, I see. Okay, like, because okay. Emperor is meant to be like that's yeah. actually a, a chance to like go for someone like Andrew Garfield. <laughs> I think Andrew Garfield would be a very good Emperor. Andrew Garfield, he can't, Andrew Garfield cannot be this. He can't be a Freeman. He can't. He can't. Actually, this is gone. Yes. He can't be. A Harkonnen. Because they all shave their head and they're all, they're all animalistic. That's fair. I don't think Jacob can be in this movie. He might be a Fremen. Who knows? Denny, when you listen to this, I bet think about <laughs> when it. When you listen to it, no Um. So, what is Zendaya taking Sasha Ronan's place in Timothy Chalamet's life? What do you mean? I don't know the thing about Sasha. Oh, like, because him and Sasha are like, very close. They've been in like three movies together. Really? Which three? Little Women and which one? Little Women, Lady Bird. And, oh, Lady Bird. Um, another one. Fuck, I can't remember the other one. It'll come to me. Fair. I'm really excited for Timothy Chalamet. I've watched him in three films in the last four months. Mm-hmm. Me too. And he's been excellent in all of them. Yeah. Even though, like, my thing about Don't Look Up is that I love him in it, but I think 
that I don't understand what that story was doing there. Yeah, that's fair. It's yeah, fair. it's fair. But he was, but he was good. He was the best part of that whole that whole story. Oh yeah, yeah. what? Yeah. And then hearing that he improved some of those lines, ridiculous. And I also really, really, I really, really enjoyed in him in French Dispatch. I really, oh. I really liked him in French Dispatch. I think that was, you know, I, I was saying to you before. Oh, French Dispatch is the third one, but they didn't have scenes together. Is that Sharon is in, that, in French Dispatch? Yeah, she's um, the kind of like the prostitute. And you know, the chef story. Yeah. Uh, um, Jeffrey Wright's oh, story. She's like, you're the, right. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I thought there have been in more movies apart from just three. I don't know where the movie before Lady Bird. Anyways, like I was saying to you before we started recording, I was smiling when watching French Dispatch and it was during the Chalamet story. And I was oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I loved oh, Chalamet story. Oh, I'm really enjoying this Francis McDormand. Oh. I really like that story. Like, oh, no, this is a French Dispatch podcast. <laughs> Chalamet is really good and I'm, I'm really excited really... for his future. I think, and I wasn't like, I don't get excited about White Boys. Like, I don't. Except this year. But this year, Chalamet been, and Andrew Garfield. They've been really good this year. <laughs> really? It is a vintage year. Do you count Oscar's because he's a white man? Does he count as? Because is he? You had a period. What? Oh, Jimmy has an. Ah, uh, yeah, but like he's okay. I guess he's not. But like, but I also had he's a period like when I was in, in love with Oscar Isaac. Guatemalan. Let us quickly talk about like the reception of this movie. Mm-hmm. So when this movie came out, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the people I listen to or read or whatever. Like, this was the first movie that people were like, oh. Cinema can survive. <laughs> Fair. You're right. Like, right. You're right. Everybody loved this movie. You're like, right. I think I, but I randomly checked. We don't, obviously, we don't endorse Rotten Tomatoes on, on this podcast, but it's like, it's like 80% or whatever. Fuck the tomatoes. Yeah. But like, everyone was like, have you seen Dune? And I don't even mean like, people, people were already talking about it, but like, I mean like, Hollywood people were like, have you seen Dune? Have you seen Dune? Like, it was, and I was like, oh, okay. It was the precursor to probably like, No Way Home. No Way Home. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. right. For, but for Dune, it was like, this is a filmmaker that we love. And he's making quote-unquote adult sci-fi that doesn't involve, like, superheroes or jokes or whatever. And I just, like, I was just very intrigued as to how, like, everyone just kind of loved Dune. It's so necessary. It's such a necessary thing that needed to happen. This is what I think people thought Tenet was going to be Mm. last year. Or do for the music, sorry, music, movie industry last year. Yeah. Yeah, Tenet was just... This was what what it was meant to be. Yeah. Because it was, you know, another love director doing adult sci-fi. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't slap the way this slapped. I went, I watched this movie with Chinas and I was not expecting her to enjoy it. And she came out excited. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, they might have something yeah, here. Yeah. They might actually have something here. Yeah, it was very exciting just to see like kind of like the reception to this movie and mm. like, the way people just kind of, I mean. It made me happy. This movie is, this movie made almost 400 million. That's and this is a movie that was on HBO Max. At the same time, It's right? made 100 million in, in America. It came out the same day and date HBO yeah. Max. I mean, 100 million in America. So like, how many people, what the people went to watch instead of watching at their homes? You know, and like, so like, yeah. I'm, in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, something we didn't even talk about is like, yeah, middle of, it's like the, because Paul says it, that like the visions of his war are a quote unquote holy war. Yeah. And they're doing, in my and name. I only cut that on subtitles. Mm. And I did it on, in his name and his father's name, yeah. wearing the house, Atreides banner. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I'm trying to see what happens. Like, it maybe it's the thing that, like, maybe future, like you said, future Paul becomes power hungry. I think Or does. past Paul doesn't know that that's what he's going to do. So, it's, yeah, it's interesting to see what happens there. We don't, we don't like Dr. Yue in this house. Fuck Dr. Yue. Yeah, because he was dumb now. Yeah, so dumb, man. Like. What do you think was going to happen? Like, going to give back his wife. Flying caterpillar uh, emperor guy. <laughs> and you think he's going to just be nice to you? <laughs> like, what do you think, what did he think was going to happen? Honestly, that's actually, it. I was like, when they killed him, I was like, did you not see this coming? Yeah, like what? Like what? Did you expect to happen? Like immediately he started explaining himself to Oscar Isaac's character, 
I was like, oh, this is dumb. You're going to die immediately. <laughs> like, they're not even going to try. Like, you had a round of like, telling Oscar Isaac to help you get your wife. And then maybe they go to war. Like, it like, doesn't what? make sense what you're saying. It's so dumb. I was like, ah. Uh, like, yeah, bro, you know what? She just, she let herself get to. Jesus. Damn. Wow. She let herself get to. Victor said she let herself get God. That's what she gets. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a half problem. Okay, my dad was saying that uh, one of the things Denis said to him was like, "Oh, do you want to take the small part in this movie for like a bigger part in the next movie?" Yeah, and he was like, "Oh yeah." Which is what I was gonna say. I was gonna. That's so funny because I was gonna talk about him. I was like, "We talk about Javier Bardem." He's so good. I loved him. I love movie stars. So I much. loved him. Like he just so walks in and you're like. I want to watch your movie. Like, <laughs> I want to watch this Stilgar movie. The movie about just Stilgar and the Fremen. Yeah, like just... And the way he chooses to like pose and he was so good at it. Because he was posing a lot. He was, he was posing a lot. Like he would walk into like, the... Like while they were fighting, he was like... Yeah. He was just like posing. Even, even when they first came, when they first caught, caught them in the sand, he's like, I think he's sitting on his ass. Yeah. And then he moves into like a crouching position and then he jumps down and he comes up and I'm like, okay, okay. He's a poser. Okay, happy about them. So wait, are you telling me that um, Sharon is gone? Like she dead dead? Who is Sharon? The black girl. Oh yeah, the the, the thing eternal. That's the, the witness of the change. Witness of the change, yeah. Oh, judge of the yeah. change. I've seen so witness. Wait, where'd you get Sharon? Oh, her real name is Sharon. Oh yeah. Why do you know that? Yeah, she yeah, definitely. Why? <laughs> she. I watched this thing last night. <laughs> <laughs> I was on it. <laughs> on, on HBO Max, of course. On HBO Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obvious, obviously. Yeah, obvious. Get it out here, too. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah, she's, she's dead. dead. She's some, dead. Because I kind of thought she was the one writing the worm at the end. No, no. Nah, no. I think that was a that random was person. A random friend. But it was only on my third watch that I realized she was calling the worm to write, to write it. To write oh, it. no. First, on my first view. I, I didn't know. I was, on my first view, I was like, man. I thought she was calling it to distract him so he doesn't go for no, Timothy. No. Then I was like, oh, she's, like, she's trying to... Because they were like, she said, I mean... The dance in my home. Yeah. I was like, okay, she's gonna write. Well, this I, I, I then saw the whatever she uses to yeah. that. I was like, oh, that was trying to do. Fair enough. When she when she when she brought out them hooks, I was like, alright, that's what it is. Oh, you write it. I watched a QA with her and like some of the other cast members, and mm. she was saying, which is something I forgot to touch on in this in this um in well, this, it's time. Uh she was saying that it was a religious experience for her. Not not a religious experience, but like the movie had like a lot of like spiritual and religious undertones, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. which I think was very interesting because I don't want to say it's a critique of religion, but I feel like it is. Oh no, I think by all everything I've heard about the book, like the book was ahead of its time in critiquing like white imperialism, religion, religious mm-hmm. like fights and holy crusades and things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think yeah, I think there's like because it could just be a normal war. It doesn't have to be a holy war. Yeah. Like, I think there's, there's well, it's tension. Def- it's definitely a holy war. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, like, def- the, way, the way some of the, like, some of the characters react to Lizan al mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or even the thought of Lizan al Or calling superstition. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, you don't, like, you don't, re- you don't realize how much it's permeated their society there. Yeah. But it's funny because Charlotte Rampling is, like, the benefits that have gone in and, and they've laid it mentor. Yeah. So like it's like so you know. So you know, but sounds then like, sounds like Christian missionaries. That's that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Because like you it's like, oh, they've gone and they've laid a path with yeah. you so that you'll be okay when you go there. And then you go there, you just see how like this thing that they've come to plant mm-hmm. has now taken over the lives of everybody yeah. there. Yeah. 
And that's that's their religion. That's what they believe. They're waiting for their Messiah. I was like, yo, it's deep, man. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing of like, like the Red Woman and Jon Snow, mm. born of ice and fire. I mean, all these stories follow this the Dune story in it. Like, it's like because I can't I can't think of Jon Snow and saving the wildlings. So that's a bit of white imperialism as well. But like, he's born of ice and fire, so he's meant to be the one that's meant to mm. like, change shit and everything. So he's the Avatar. All these stories. Like, I think that's what I do. That's what I say Dune is, is the first one because yeah. all these mosaic stories follow, follow, yeah. follow Dune. So it's very interesting. Um, okay, hopefully we'll have you guys back to talk about Well, this is really funny two. that, like, Paul just didn't give a shit. <laughs> He's just like, what? He's a 15-year-old. I was like, what, what the fuck are you guys <laughs> talking about? Like, all this, like, like, what you, like, they have believe what they've been told to believe. Like, yeah. you, you, mother, you know that they came to tell them this stuff. Why do you be like, why are you, why are you acting like this? <laughs> Oh, he just wants to do something that is not to lead them, man. He just wants to be a pilot like Duncan or maybe. I really loved that the the relationship between him and his father. I really love that relationship. Can we one more Can we just talk about their fits quickly? Incredible. So this is the first time. Victor, I've I beg, tell you, I tell you to make make some things for me like that. I swear, I want because I want ceremonial Caladan wear. You know when they were when they were walking. Like outside, when I think just before they fly off and the wind, I was like, Timothy, I need to wear that. <laughs> that stuff was looking so good. I was like, What? That's that's his flexing shot, eh? Yeah, he was drifting, he was drifting Dior. <laughs> that was his flexing shot. That was his flexing nah, shot. Man. Then he was like, We need to flex. Oh my god, Baron Hakkinen's first name is Vladimir. So I love him more now. <laughs> Vladimir Hakkinen. That's, that's, that's <laughs> okay, big um, Vlad, big bad Vlad. Yeah, thank you guys for coming to talk about doing with me. You're welcome. We'll have you guys back for Dune Part Two. I'm so happy that Dini didn't like. He made he made Dune good. Like yeah. like we did, we don't have to like stop standing him because he actually did do what needed to be done. Um yeah. So you guys come back after the break. I'm gonna have one final Dune conversation with a friend where it's gonna be kind of an exit survey because you know what a lot of people like this movie. So I want to get as many opinions as I can about why people like this movie. So see you guys after the break. What if I'm not dead? Not what? The future of House Atreides. I told my father I didn't want this either. I wanted to be a pilot. You never told me that. grandfather said a great man doesn't seek to lead he's called to it and he answers and if your answer is no you'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be my son so like I alluded to earlier this is a big episode, talk about a big movie. And now we're going to be joined by a friend to just kind of get his own thoughts. Like I said, lots of people love this movie. I want to get more, if not diverse, just kind of different thoughts about the film and why they like it. What we're going to do is going to be kind of like an exit survey kind of situation. So ask him some questions, try to get his thoughts on this film. And I might be wrong. We haven't spoken about the movie because obviously I like to keep everything fresh for the podcast. But maybe he really hates this movie. I actually don't know. He just wants to talk about it. So, like, I might be completely wrong and this might end up being a shit show. But let's see. But, yes, joining me, it's John Paul. Welcome to the podcast. 
Hi, Banky. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, looking forward to the questions. And uh, just to remove any suspense, uh, I'm a big fan of the Dune movie. Let's start from the top, right? So immediately I came out of watching this movie, like quite literally, immediately I came out and I put on my phone, I put on my internet. and literally saw a request via a mutual friend of ours saying that you want to talk about the movie on the podcast. So I'm talking like this is like yeah. opening weekend. So yeah. just like, let's start from there. What was it about this film that made you go, oh, this is what I want to talk about on the podcast? It's just one of those movies where like, you know, you've seen something like mm. special in terms of like a cinematic experience. I think we've all like had, you know, last year was one of those, you know, start and stops with movies where like the cinemas would be closed and then it would open again. And I think it came uh, shortly after No Time to Die. Um, and I had enjoyed that one, but there was just something about Dune that just felt like it was the best movie I had seen up until the time in 2021. Mm. And I just felt like I wanted to talk yeah. about it. Just to clear any doubt before we even go for ahead, had you read the books? No, I hadn't read the books. Okay. Um, I had an idea of what the story was about, like, you know, space epic kind of mm. thing, but I hadn't read the books. So what was what was the moment in the film, if you can remember, that, that you were first like, yeah, I'm locked in. I'm watching something special. Like, was there a first moment that you're like, this is it? Uh, that's an, a good question. I think... Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think maybe for me, uh, it might have been the scene with... Uh, the mom and uh, so Paul um, and his mom in the in the dining on the dining. Oh, table. so like literally at the beginning, like the first five minutes. Yeah, like, okay. It's just like okay, it, it kind of lets you know okay, it's, there's something different happening. Use here. the voice, yeah. Yeah, just use the voice, like. And why why I mentioned that is because like it becomes so important later mm-hmm. on in the mm-hmm. in the movie. So it just felt like such a an interesting understated way to introduce it, like a mom and her son at the breakfast table. And it was just played so well and it ended up being so important. Yeah. Did you go in, like, obviously you say you hadn't read the books, but like, did you have expectations? Did you, like, did you go in with kind of like a, a blank slate-ish, if that makes sense? Yeah. So like, I've seen other Timothy Chalamet performances. So I think I was just like, oh, I don't want this to be a disappointment. Like, Do you like I'm, him? I'm a fan. Yeah, I like his acting. I've seen, like, I liked him in The King. Um, I think I'd just seen Little women is that, is that yeah, i think mm-hmm. yeah little him and little women so i was like okay yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this actor um let's see what else and there are other actors in the movie that i'm fans like i'm, I'm a fan of so i was like okay let this not just be a disappointment let's not be another blockbuster that just got overhyped yeah but at the same time i didn't set any expectations going in it was just like okay let's just go and enjoy a movie yeah because like even one of the guests that we had earlier on victor he went in with the kind of a blank slate and i think when you have any expectations this movie is it's really pleasing. I mean, I think it's really pleasing, even if a lot of people that read the books really like the adaptation, but I think it's still quite pleasing when you don't have any expectations and you don't know what you're going in for. And it's interesting that you went in for the actors. Um, obviously, I love a lot of the actors in there, but I went in for the director because like, we, I like Denis and we did an episode on Denis and the movies is done. So, yeah, you're right. I'm happy that it wasn't a disappointment. Okay, this is a more, a more generic question, but like, what was, do you have, what was your favorite moment of the film? I was going to ask you, do you have, but no, I'm like, I'm going to put you to uh, put you on the spot. What was your favorite moment? Okay. Um, there are a lot of good moments in the mm-hmm. film, but definitely my best moment of the film has to be a Rebecca Ferguson moment. So 
it was probably um, the scene. Oh, I love that you said it I has to be Rebecca. Like it can't be anyone. It has to be oh, Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, it can't be anybody else. I think she. I just saw that. I don't know if you ask other questions related to this, but yeah, I, her performance is superb in that. And I think maybe the scene where they were in the um, the chopper and they were going to throw them. Spoilers are allowed. Well, yeah, right? this is a spoiler. This is, this okay, is a spoiler yeah. episode. Okay, <laughs> so um, they're about to throw them out of the um, chopper. When she uses the, the voice. The Harkonnens. And then, you know, she uses the voice and she just like, you know, stabs the person, throws him out, kills another person. Like, it was just so badass. And like, like I said, it had set up that whole voice moment earlier in the movie. And yeah. it just came full circle. And I think it was just like seeing that she wasn't this timid character. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. was this really strong, capable character. Speaking of Rebecca Ferguson and Lady Jessica, what do you think about... This was a debate that we had earlier in the episode and listeners will know. What do you think about an allusion to possibly an incestuous... Oh my God. Okay. It's, thank God. I thought it was just me. Because <laughs> I, <re-watched, laughs> I rewatched the movie and like I was like, okay, so it wasn't the, fir- the first time I got that vibe and I'm like, okay, maybe I was tripping. <laughs> and then to hear someone else ask, okay, interesting. It, it was There was a scene when they were in the tent in the desert uh, when like they were like I think maybe a sandstorm was happening mm-hmm. or something, but there was just this moment where it felt like they had this tension, and I'm like, why am I? Is this am I? Yeah, <laughs> like I might, I might run with the terrible man. I even got it more in like when they're changing to the steel suits. Okay, okay. Because like she kind of when he moves his shirt, she kind of looks at him, and then he yeah. looks back at her when she's turned around before he removes his trousers. I was like, this is a weird shot. Like if he wasn't yeah. saying something, just a weird placement. So. so so we well decided. I mean, readers of the books will know, and like I've asked them, please do not spoil it. But we trust to see like if there's something there. Like I mean, the I mean that is weird. I don't want to speak too much on it because all I'll say is that if if it does exist, it was done very I don't say subtly, but better than I've seen other movies. Like what comes to mind is Alexander, um, and they were over the top with the allusion to them potentially having an incestuous thing. Like they literally kiss. I'm going to ask you a personal question, John Paul. Go for it. I don't know where your allegiance lie. I don't know what kind of person you are. We haven't spoken a lot since we since we left school. Yeah. But what would uh, this is this is this might be too personal. So you don't have to answer if it's too personal. But what would you do if you had visions of Zendaya? I I I feel a lot for Paul. I was like, <laughs> if you're if you're just living your life sleeping every night and Zendaya is coming <laughs> in your visions, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to handle. It's 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 it's, it's a big burden to put on a, on a young boy. It's, it's like. <sighs> How would you survive? Yeah, that question like cuts to the heart of like how I felt about the movie because it always had this like ethereal feeling throughout. Ooh, okay. Like you were in a dream, like you were in a dreamscape. Ah. Like it, it, it just felt like it was. So that's why the dream flashbacks never felt out of place or anything or the visions because it felt like the whole movie was kind of a dreamscape in a way. And uh, imagine Zendaya being like that. If like the the forefront of that with, you know, the eyes and the close-up shots, all that. I feel bad for Paul, you know, like... And then he saw uh, her and he couldn't talk to her. Just, I felt, I was like, oh, poor Paul. Just like, he can't tell her I've been dreaming about you because she'd be like, that's weird. And then she'll, she'll go and cuss him out in the group chat. It's just a lot. It's a lot for, for, for him to handle. And me, I don't know about any the, the audience, but I've had a crush on Zendaya so it's like... Well, shake it up. <laughs> shake it up, exactly. So I feel like you might have to, like, join a queue for that one. I feel like I feel like there might be a long queue for that. Um, this, is, this is a two-parter. So one would be who's your MVP of the film, yeah. And two would be like you. You mentioned that you like a lot of the actors in the film, but who's someone who stuck 
kind of grew exponentially after watching the film in your eyes? A good question. I think I already kind of answered the first one. Rebecca Ferguson, yes. Rebecca Ferguson is an amazing actress. I think I've seen her in The White Queen some years ago, um, which is a fantastic uh, miniseries. And and I didn't know like what the role of Lady Jessica was going to mm-hmm. be. And she, so I won't say I had any expectations, but she subverted whatever, you know, yeah. internal. I mean, you think she's gonna be a mother character, right? You didn't, exactly. you don't expect all of this Benedict stuff. Yeah, I think when I watched the trailer, I didn't even think she was his mother. I don't know what I saw in the trailer that made me think she was more like a mentor mother. I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe because of the Benedict outfit or something. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe she was like a mentor to him or something. And so seeing her be this badass, like. Comp- I don't I don't even want to use the word complex, but like she just has a lot going on, you know, like from from the way she uses the voice to the her her, her relationship with um what's his name, the Duke. Mm. I think there's so many facets that she has going on and it would be interesting to see where they take it in part two yeah. because there's definitely much more to explore there. And then in terms of a character that the second question, I think a character that kind of grew. It could just be a character. It could be an actor. It could be the director. Just anyone who's like, you're like, after coming out of the movie, you're like, oh, I like that person. So options here will be Jason Momoa, I guess Josh Brolin, Zendaya, Shalomay, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac's beard. Do you have thoughts on Oscar Isaac's beard? <laughs> Oscar Isaac's beard is like imperial <laughs> imperial um, I, I love that i love yeah, that description imperium, but yeah <laughs> but um no like he's so many fantastic actors there i think i probably have to give it to Charlemagne. i think mm. carrying a franchise like this is always a daunting like can be a daunting task and i think he does such a good job of looking patrician like i can see him as a noble you know person like the son of a duke mm-hmm. But at the same time, also, like, being a young boy, you know, that is having a dream of a beautiful woman. Yeah. It could also be a very annoying role. Like, we could just be like, I do not care. You're, you're annoying me. I don't want to hear you whine. But he doesn't, it doesn't come off as, like that. Like, you, you care about exactly. his worries and his fears and all that rubbish. So, yeah, I think exactly. maybe part of that's because we like Charlemagne as a society. But it definitely, yeah. it definitely works. Okay, let's, let's go back a bit. Let's rewind a bit and go a bit more macro. Talk to me about... Okay. Um, you can tell me like type of cinema you watched in, but talk me about, talk me about like your experience. Cause, like you said, this was this was kind of yeah, no time that happened, and I think Venom had happened as well. You've had like the little like Shang Chi and 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 Black Widow, whatever. Mm-hmm, but it was like mm-hmm. the first yeah. big cinema movie that was big in scale, and people were excited to watch it. And both like the the sci-fi or the superhero snobs mm-hmm. and also like the fantasy books and all, all, everyone could come together and enjoy this movie. So like, what was your experience like watching this movie? Especially since you were going in with kind of a blank slate. Yeah, I think it was, first of all, it's definitely one of those movies that you want to see in the cinemas mm-hmm. first. Yeah, it, is, it was built for it. And I think that's what hit me. The, like the first shots i think it was of the desert right if i'm not mistaken yeah it's a vision like isn't it of, of Zende- uh, yeah, like, like, yeah, beautiful yeah, city arrakis or whatever with her narration in the background mm-hmm. and sometimes narration normally feels like played out mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. by used in movies if it's not if it's not morgan freeman it, it sounds a bit yeah you're right i agree with yeah. you yeah but there's just something about how it was used here especially since we don't really see zendaya till later mm-hmm. on in the movie in terms of like you know the actual yeah yeah and so it just feels like it sets you like you're you're about to go on a journey, 
And what struck me the most about watching that movie in the cinemas was the um, the cinematography, like the set design. It, it contrasts from having like nature, so the deserts, mm-hmm. all that expanse, or even when they were on the Atreides home planet, you know, this beautiful, lush uh, greenery and lots of, you know, the ocean yeah. with brutal, like absolute brutal architecture. You know, the ships are very... Oh, that's... That's an incredible way of describing it, brutal architecture. That's nice, yeah. Because that, you know, we have, you know, that whole era of the 1960s where you have brutalist architecture and every, you know, buildings look very, you know, square, Mm -hmm. rigid. And just imposing that on this beautiful desert, the contrast was just amazing for me. And I remember just being in the cinema, just in awe. Like, you want to follow with the dialogue and the storyline, but like, you're just focusing so much yeah. on everything. And then that Hans that Zimmer score just comes in. Oh my god, right? It just keeps you in a constant state of... And once again, with going sticking with the theme of contrast, you'd have moments where it's like absolutely silent, like pin drop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when the Sadokara are about to like ambush um, them in the, uh, the ecology yeah, center. Yeah, the fight. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly you have this explosive fight where... Um, Duncan, you know, you know, sacrifices himself, mm-hmm. and it's such a. I found that that was what a very. I didn't expect to feel it because it's like ah, oh, it's just been a few minutes or whatever, like in the movie or whatever. But I feel it like I'm like, oh no, don't die! Yeah, yeah. And but he proceeds to. I mean, I think I think Momoa was great in the movie. I think I think this is best performance ever. Yes, I, I I like the performance, and I didn't think I would either. Like I, it was one of those ones. I'm looking like, could this be a superfluous character? Like, oh, just just a strong guy, just a, just a strong yeah, fighting guy. Strong, yeah, but he doesn't yeah. he doesn't do that. He, he lots of warmth to him. You can see he, there's a lot of warmth. He loves yes. the Atreides family. He loves Paul. They love they love him back. They respect him. So it's, yeah. it's it's a very good performance from from Momoa on this. I don't know if this is a thing for you guys in the UK, but here we have like. Uh, what do we call it? Like, so we have the like three. Um, we have this thing called like a three D uh, box. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining it properly, but so what happens is that you sit on your chair, mm-hmm. and so like it moves with the movie. Oh, we so we call that four DX. Uh, there's a, we call it. I don't know. Is it, it's not VIP box. It's like something box. Anyway. So that's how I watched so, it as well. That's how I watched it. So you already have your surround sound, all yeah. that stuff going on, and then your your seat is just rocking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm jerking if it's a fight yeah. like snapping and like when the plane is crashing my, my my seat is crashing as well yeah you know so i felt like that's why it was it it was hard for me to choose a favorite scene when you asked earlier because in terms of the expect like, feeling it that chopper scene where they where they're in the sandstorm and he just lets go and you feel like you're weightless it was the same situation i felt when i first watched no way home and i was like my first reaction was like i don't even care if that's a bad movie that was a great movie experience. Experience, yes. Right. Yes. I'll think about it critically later, but for now, I just like later, enjoyed right. the last two, two and a half hours of, of my life. Did you, were you a Denis fan? I wouldn't say a fan, but I've seen his works. I've seen Blade Runner. I've seen Sicario. He, he did Sicario, right? Yeah, he did Sicario. You've seen Prisoner's Arrival. I haven't seen uh, Prisoner's or Arrival, but I've seen go watch uh, Sicario. And, go watch them. Yeah. Go watch them, then go listen to our podcast about Denis Villeneuve. Yes, anyone who's listening, listen to our podcast on <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. In which we talk about Prisoner's, Sicario, Blade Runner, and Arrival. And we try to pick his best movies. Okay, I've asked a lot of questions. Tell me, what, what are your thoughts? What, what thoughts of this movie have we not got to that you really like? You want to get off your chest. You just like, I need to say this movie on the podcast. I need to say this, this thought on the podcast. 
on the mic. I think since I've been saying very good things, maybe I'll say something that isn't terribly positive. Well, it depends. Are you going to be a hater? We don't allow haters on the podcast. No, no. Okay. It's, there's, there's, it's, more, it's more of like... So, like you said, Denny does a good job of setting scale. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the only thing I'll have liked, and it's tricky to do, I guess, when it's set in space, but is a sense of time. Okay. I came out of the movie wondering how... Or even even during the movie, like how long has how long has yeah I've I've seen that criticism before, but I didn't really think it was. It doesn't hamper the movie. It doesn't. But I'm just yeah no. I didn't think I I was able to just like for example, Duncan Idaho says he's been with the Fremen for four four weeks, right? So you're like, I'm like okay, maybe it took him two weeks to find the Fremen. So like maybe it's been six weeks since the first beginning of the movie. Like I don't feel like you need to know the exact amount of time that's part. Like I think like from the moment they land in Arrakis to maybe. The end of the movie, like the siege and the end of the movie, maybe it's like I don't know a few days. Oh yeah, okay. But then obviously Duncan has been there, so I think maybe the whole movie probably takes over like two months, six weeks, two months. I don't know, but it's not. I, I've seen that criticism before, and I understand, but like, I feel like it's not something like you like said, something that changes yeah, it, the quality of the yeah, movie. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. change how you feel of the movie. It's just one of those things. Like, um, I think why for me it's like something I notice is because of how much heavy industry is involved, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about mobilizing an army moving from one and this is space so i'm sure they have technology that makes it much easier than what we have now but mobilizing a whole i guess it atreides kind of own a world right so yeah. mobilizing your forces on one world transporting them to Arrakis. Well, apparently this set this is from the wikipedia so i'm guessing it's from the books but apparently this is set in a world where faster than light travel has been has been done so yeah so i mean it's sci-fi so you obviously you don't i think it's as much as it's me like searching for a criticism because whatever what yeah should we like just like eulogize oscar isaac's beard a little bit more just like <laughs> it's a, it's a perfect beard um oscar isaac's beard the outfits are kind of like the under appreciated things in the movie i believe just like this is beautiful yeah i think i think the uniforms like I said, it lends it, it lends to that brutal contrast that the movie is always going with, right? Well, they are they are traders uniform. They are traders uniform, or even the, even what the Harkonnens wear, like mm. the, the suits, every everything about it, like lends to this like militaristic um, outlook that you see throughout the yeah. movie. Like it's not just the it's not just you know rebels in space or you know good guys versus bad guys. It's not that clear. Obviously, we, we are rooting for the Atreides. Yeah. Um, at the start of the movie, but you you kind of get this feeling that they are not necessarily good people, like in any. Expand on that. Expand on that. Why, why, why do you say that? Sure. In an archetypical, I hope I pronounce that well. But in in that sense of being a good character, like you know, they're they're almost flawless. Yeah. But if you think okay. about it, they are still colonizers. Uh huh. Yeah. When when they their their first scene in Arrakis is this brutal ship with a whole line of soldiers all dressed. And then you have the know, people basically there to welcome them. There to welcome them. It, it obviously call. It, there's a callback to, um, you know, Middle Eastern colonialism yeah. and uh, yeah. exploitation, and it's done very well in terms of, you know, showing it on screen. So you know, you have this feeling that ah, there's this conflict. Like, should I be rooting for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these guys necessarily? It's just them swapping places with the Harkonnens, yeah. really, yeah. in the context of the indigens of Arrakis. So it, it definitely makes for a more comp complex story they're not clearly the agents of change 
if anything, Leto talks about weaponizing desert power. Every time he says that, it makes me laugh. Um, Why does <laughs> it make you laugh? It's just the line read, Oscar Isaac's line read. He just always says, and I think there was a meme of it. Like, Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just desert power. power. It's just funny to me. Um, but in terms of he's planning on using them to, to what's the word? Kind of bust his own army, end. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, to bust his own army. And it's 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 in line with what we've seen happen in human history, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it makes for a more I don't like using the word realistic when I talk of movies, it's like but it makes for a compelling story. We've seen this before. Denis has always been someone, especially if you if you watch Arrival, it's someone that like he uses sci-fi definitely to answer this kind of larger questions and a bit more personal questions, and he uses sci-fi to answer them. So yeah, so it's interesting to just see how that, how that works, especially with with what Paul's character arc is going to be. I do not know. I've not read the books. I don't know what it's going to be, but there's a chance, as Ayo mentioned earlier, that it could take a, a bit of a darker turn in which he probably becomes the villain that he was fighting against. Coming out of the movies, um, I was super tempted. I think that's also what made me know, like before I texted, you know, like you said, our mutual friend, I think that's when I knew I was really into the movie was like, I wanted to go read the books and I was just like, nah, I just kind of want to see it on screen. Exactly, like, I, just, exactly. I don't want a spoiler. Like as much as I'm so tempted to know where this goes, I want to see the performance. Like maybe because I've already started. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, and, and every description I've, I've read about the book or heard about the book, they all call the book dense. Like every single person I've heard talk about that book calls it dense. <laughs> so that's not really a book I'm planning to start, start reading. Um, yeah, but like, this was, I think this was, this was the second best uh, movie experience I had in the cinema last year. Probably second best I've had in a very long time. Long time. Like, yeah. It was nice to enjoy a movie and then everybody else was enjoying it as well. Like, the snobs, yeah. the critics, the fans, everybody was yeah. just enjoying the movie. That was nice. Enjoying the movie. I, speaking on like, you know, things that were there in the, like, the ecosystem when the movie came out, in terms of, did you see like any comparisons to other moments in cinema like other big moments in cinema the one i saw that kind of resonated with me was some and I, there are some people that think this is a bla- blasphemy but some of the comparisons to how some people said they felt when they saw lord of the rings for the first time okay like just the, i saw a couple of threads um just people talking about like that feeling of coming out of the cinema after seeing lord of the rings and just feeling like you had seen something um you know because the whole cliffhanger like I mean, I'm not a Lord of the Rings person, so... Oh, my God. I... I'm the wrong person to ask. Well, I get, like, I can get that, like, kind of epic skill kind of situation mm-hmm. with it. And I understand why those comparisons would be made. Because I think why... Because I'm, you know, LOTR is my favorite movie, you know, trilogy. Oh, wow. Okay. So, wait, do you agree with those sentiments about Dune? I, 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 I would say I see where they are coming from. Because I think one thing that they have in common is that both movies um, are not scared of like telling the story in a certain type of way, which is in a grand mm-hmm, scale. Like mm-hmm. this is an epic. It's not a, a stand. They're not standalone movies that are in the same universe, mm-hmm. like as we've gotten used to in MCU or whatever, or even sequels that are like, you know, there's a part one, but a part somewhat related part. Mm-hmm. So this is an epic. This is one story. Yes you know them walking into the desert it's it, it harkens to you know seeing uh, B, um frodo and co like just 
continuing their journey at the end of fellowship, knowing that there's something more harrowing coming on mm. the two towers. So as much as it's too early to make such grand comparisons, a lot of rings did numbers. I think there's something about a visionary director mm. wanting to put like, and I think once again, I'd seen good, like some good criticisms of Warner brothers, not really just backing that vision, like being reluctant to like start filming. Mm-hmm part mm-hmm. two from the jump, to see how it's that's do. something yeah that's something a lot of the rings they took a risk on they shot all you know movies they knew that 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 was their plan so i think now you've there's this expectation do you know how exciting it would have been if dune 2 was coming out this year like after you know if, hoping covid is 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 is, is much re, re, is yeah but well, again it's just that like covid is such a big x factor that it's difficult but also like True, sure. if people knew dune 2 was coming out before they watched like dune part one like is it that much? Because you know, I don't know. It could go either ways. Maybe it's like, maybe it's less impactful or maybe it's even more impactful because you know it's like one's coming. But mm-hmm. like, if you know Dune Part 2 is coming out, maybe you already expect it to be good and you're not hit with how good it is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, you're not, you're not like, this is a revelation. I don't know. I think for me, and that's an interesting point, but I think for me, like, it just comes off, especially, if, so if you do a little bit of, cursory research and realize this is based on a trailer you know whatever yeah a a bunch of books and they've not yet greenlit more movies you're thinking okay they're not sure that the movie they have is good yeah that was saying so when you when you then watch and you realize this is great it's a bit Mm -hmm. of a shock it's not shock but it's more pleasing because your your bar was lower fair enough maybe just because obviously when you see doom part one like the the movies literally starts with doom part one so it's not like it's not it's not expecting the movie to to the, the entire movie to be told now yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I get what you mean, but like maybe maybe lower the expectation and then you watch it and you're like, yeah. wow, that was actually very good. And then like I, I think this movie had to have been terrible for them not to make it a second one. Fair. Uh I I would say that one thing about Dune is that it just feels like you've seen like of like something something I don't want to say different or unique, but just it does feel different. It does feel different. When it di- when it di- yeah, but when a director's vision, you know, like you have this feeling when like a director's vision has come through on screen. Mm-hmm. It. I don't think it's blasphemous to say that it's it's fresh and it's like yeah. different and something new. And that, that's those are all good things. I think my only um, regret, maybe, or I won't call it regret, but like I feel like this is one of those movies that like it would have been so much, or maybe maybe not, but like I think. It would have been nice if it had if like a normal cycle to to be played in, right? Like cinema run, you know, the buzz around it, people coming out, word of mouth. You can only see it in the cinemas for like however months no, movies normally stay in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Just to have that like buzz around it. Like there's something about something just being available on HBO Max. Yeah, I mean or whatever, streaming any streaming yeah. service that just feels less than that. I mean, that's a whole different Christopher Nolan argument. Yeah, like we can talk about Christopher Nolan was insulting. Like they didn't want like filmmakers didn't want Dune. Dune was I think Dune was like the movie that we like, we don't want Dune to be on HBO Max, but like Warner Brothers did and Warner Brothers decision has was proven correct because their subscriber numbers blew up last year and stuff like that so blew up, yeah. and they didn't know it was covid so like it's only business and artistic decisions but yeah yeah but like i said earlier the fact that this movie made almost 400 million box office it made over 100 million in america where it was where it was available in history marks that is that's a lot as how many people went to watch the movie even though they could watch it on their on their tv that's like that's quite impressive so obviously two would not be on hbo max 
So he honestly speaks to their marketing too because I had been seeing I'd never heard of the books before. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of and then all of a sudden and I think it was like a year's worth of because I think it got Yeah, it was come out in twenty twenty. So yeah, and I, like they were they were doing they were doing thing everywhere. There was like I think they were doing adverts at play of games. I was like NBA play of yeah, games. So like, exactly. And then when you see that cast, you're like, I'm interested. I mean, tr- yeah. Even just Zendaya stands are going to watch it and get disappointed that she's not in enough of the movie. Um, yeah, now look, this was... Um, thank you. I'm excited that you finally made, made it to the podcast. Feel free to come back anytime there's anything you want to talk about. Just just message me. Um, and yeah, I'm happy that, like, I wanted, to, I wanted to get as many voices talking about Dune on this episode because it's really been one of the more widely separated movies I can think of in recent time, which a lot of people of different stratas enjoyed it. So that was yeah. nice. Um, but you know what? This episode has lasted about as long as Oscar Isaac's beard in the, in the, in the actual <laughs> film. So it's probably the right time to, to end it. Um, I want to, of course, thank my guests, John Paul making his debut on the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. As well as our returning guests, Ayo and Victor. Shout out to my regular co-host, Jibs, our producer, Abikana Mani, our social producer, Chinedu Heji. And yeah, join us next week when we'll have episodes talking about Bradley Cooper, Nightmare Alley. And of course, I'll be joined by my own personal spice lord, Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.